Welcome to another episode of the NRL Supercoach All-Stars Podcast. This is our Market Watch and TLT for Round 5. Join with me for this one, we have Matty Person. Perso, been a long time no see, mate. How are you doing? Yeah, good, mate. Things have finally calmed down a little bit at work, so it's uh, good to be back on the airways. Good to have you back. We've had uh, Catfish standing in the last couple of weeks, so it's a nice rotation we've got going at the moment. Better than half of the Ford packs at the moment with their rotations, actually, so... <laughs> Feeling pretty good about it. Toxic turn of the year, hasn't it? It's, um, fantastic NRL wise. Not so good supercoach wise. Well, that's pretty bad for everything for me. The Roosters getting smashed on the weekend. But anyway, we'll, we'll move straight past that and we'll go into our market watch. And it's going to be a bit of a busy one at this point. It's um, it's a bit of a funny market watch because it's like you said, topsy turvy season means that um, it's actually become really hard. I think to decide who to buy and and who not to buy and who to sell and who not to sell. It's um. It's a bit of a tough start. So let's have a look at the buys uh, per so. The first one I've got on my list here uh, is a guy you can probably wait a week on, but some people are going to be looking for downgrades and might not have much choice. George Jennings for the Eels is an interesting one. He's um, come in with a 63-point 2018 debut score last week against the Tigers. Price at 177K. At the moment, he's got a minus 46 BE, which will obviously change after his second game this week. Do you think that he's going to stick in the Eels per so and um, maybe strike up a nice combo with his brother? Yeah, possibly. He's always been likely. Uh, he first came off the rank and he's got the start there. Just not sure what's going to happen with that back line. Hayden French and Guffo's back not too far away. and yeah, I'd, I'd probably watch him again this week, see how he goes. But uh, for guys that are still a Katara and that's stuck in their side, he's definitely a, an option. He's looking a lot, um, probably a lot more likely than Crichton at the Panthers, for example. Yeah, and he's also um, looked pretty good on the eye test to me. Uh, he's pretty physical, um, I thought. And I mean, he, obviously, you probably watched firsthand playing your Tigers, but he seemed pretty good. And obviously, him and Michael Jennings have a pretty good combination together. So I was actually starting to think to myself during the game when I was watching it, maybe someone like uh, Arva goes goes out instead of a George Jennings. Particularly since George Jennings is probably more of a natural winger. No, it's definitely a possibility. Arva's not exactly setting the world on fire, so... The way the Eels are going at the moment, too, there's a lot of question marks around with <laughs> what's going to happen there. I mean, um, Arthur sort of threatened if they don't pull their finger out this week, he's going to cut a few stars. So who knows there? But definitely one to watch. He, he looks likely. He's a he's a sort of a, a basey type of player, and they can start clicking. There's plenty of points in the Eels. He's certainly um, one to be watching. Yeah, so, I mean, you made an interesting comparison there, which is the next guy that we can talk about. Uh, Crichton at the Penrith Panthers, rookie base player at 164K. He's coming up to his third game now, so this is a week that you'd normally want to get him before his first rise. But he's he's got an 11 break-even, which isn't great. He hasn't actually set the world on fire, and that's with Penrith actually doing quite well against the Cowboys last week. So he's actually one person that I'm... I'm going to leave at the moment because he's, I don't think he's going to go up too much unless he hits a double or something ridiculous, which he hasn't shown that he's going to do. Uh, I'm not sure whether he's really that much of a buy this week. What are your thoughts on, on young Crichton at the Panthers? Yeah, I'm happy to go nowhere near him. He's pretty good talent to play. He's got a lot of raps on him coming through, but um, just on that, 3 of 11 as you touched on, and he will to come out and score a double this week, and then he won't bring him in, he'll be, be laughing, but... Uh, <laughs> With a couple of with trade short this year, I, I, I can't really justify bringing a bloke in. He might only make like a small amount of coin. You're to trade him out again. I mean, you know, if you've got Katara and those guys still stuck in your side, or you started with a Lomax or something like that, you're probably looking for a cheeky to um, to move on. 
I'd probably be waiting all week and getting Jennings over Crichton at this stage. As I said, he'll probably score three tries this week. And <laughs> Make us look silly. Yeah, <laughs> we'll be laughing. It's, just, it's that kind of gamble, isn't it? Yeah, it always is. I mean, it's and that's the thing too. You really have to play it ahead because there's there's always quite a few cheapies or mid range guys around. Um, you can't get them all. So for me, like I'm looking ahead, going well, I'm going to have to get George Jennings instead of him if I had to choose between the two, and I can't get both because I just don't have the room to do it in my centre wing. So, yeah, it is one of those things where you have to sort of cross your fingers and pray. But um, Jennings looks better, no doubt. Like you said, though, Crichton will get the hat-trick and Jennings will break his leg and, and it'll all look terrible this week. I guess the other thing with Crichton, though, that I'll mention. So, yeah, Crichton, per se, we'll wait a week on him and, and sort of see how we go. If we need to get him, then maybe guys can then. I wouldn't be necessarily getting him this week. He doesn't look great. But someone that did exactly what we said and, and looked okay for a couple of weeks and I let pass through to the keeper and so did a few other people, is Philip Semi at the Gold Coast Titans. Um, I'm sure a lot of people like myself went, well, don't really have to get him this week. It's all right. He's not going to go too fantastic. If I want to really get him, maybe the week after. He's uh, busted out with 129 points, 383K he is now. But at 383K, people are still looking at him, and I understand why. Listen to these numbers, minus 48 break-even still. But Philip Semi from the Gold Coast Titans playing on the wing is currently the ninth best player on season averages going into round five. Yeah, averaging a um, ridiculous 70.8 thanks to his 139 on the weekend. But uh, he's been quite basey as well. But a choice between uh, him and Kenna, and I took Kenna, which I wasn't too unhappy about until he got injured last week. I don't know, you, you probably haven't really missed the boat on Semi with that minus 48 really. Yeah, it's sort of he's getting in that hairy sort of price range now. Any in the three eighty three, you could definitely do worse. It all depends on the balance of your side and sort of when you need to move on and that sort of thing. But he's definitely going to make coin, and the way he's going, he he could be quite handy this year. Yeah, well, that's a thing. I think that's one of the toughest things with the centre wing this year. It's um, it's just real murky. There's no real definitive cows and guns. It's just um, all these guys in between that you don't really know what they're going to do. And Semi, like you said, maybe he just keeps going. And if he does, I mean, he's probably going to outscore most of the other centre wings that are around at the moment because they're not really picking it up. So I understand people getting him, but I, I'm going to stay off him myself. Um, the couple of things that I sort of thought about to myself, and, and you can um, disagree with me per se or make me buy him if you want, but I was sort of thinking to myself that um, even though he's got the minus 48 BE, I'm just worried about investing 383K and having that sit sit in that centre wing and having to play if things don't go so well. And I sort of just thought to myself, I'm, I'm much more comfortable paying 200k less for George Jennings next week and hoping that he obviously keeps his spot. He's going to make as much coin, but I'm not going to have as much tied up in him. So that's sort of where I was at on Philip Semi. Uh, 100%. I, I still don't trust the Titans, even though they beat the Broncos on the weekend. The comp's that tight. Anyone can beat anyone at a given day. I'm, I'm still not convinced that they're better than a bottom four side either, so there'll be a lot of weeks where he doesn't get any attacking stats. That's the risk you take, I suppose. Yep. For me, there's a couple of other guys that aren't that much more expensive than him that are possibly better options, better boards, but yeah, I don't know. Minus 48 is <laughs> pretty enticing, I suppose. Uh, and watch, him, watch him come out this week and score another 139 and make us look silly. <laughs> another, another 100k price rise in one week and it's coming up. So let's move on from those guys then, and those are sort of the more rookie 
rookie guys, even though they're not all rookie priced. Let's talk about some stars. Uh, James Maloney's been a reasonably popular talking point because he had a really good uh, round and he's also got obviously no Cleary, so he's got the goal kicking. And he looked pretty impressive uh, pulling all the strings for the Panthers against the Cowboys. 465k, minus 36 BE, and he looks like he's back to vintage form with control of that team for at least the next couple of months. I actually looked at buying Maloney Perso for this week, uh, and it's one of those things where I um, I remembered him being pretty cheap um, in the preseason, and I just didn't look at him again because he just wasn't going to be any good, in my opinion. And then um, he obviously got that like well, the two points to start the season. I went, oh well, I'll never look at James Maloney again. And I just thought, looking at him today, when I was going to go trade him in, that he was going to be even after his big rise, he was only going to be about four hundred k, maybe three seventy five if I was lucky. 465k. I'm not. I'm not sure if I can do it. Uh, he's a massive purchase, Oregon. As soon as Cleary was ruled out for ten weeks, it's got uh, Malani written all over it. The way the Panthers are going, they're looking like a, a real good chance top four team this year. Plenty of points in him. He was sort of playing second fiddle. Cleary was the one sort of running the show. But um, as soon as he's out on the weekends, he looked good. He uh, took control of that side. He was in everything. Looks like he's going to have. Plenty of opportunities for taking stats. He's kicking goals again now. So, uh, particularly for anyone that's disgruntled with <laughs> disgruntled JT or Milfarners, that sort of thing, that you, you might be wanting to, <laughs> to um, look for at someone else. Mars uh, Maloney's still a, he's still an option, even though he's a, probably about a hundred k over what you would be liking for him if he was hundred k cheaper. Everyone would be snapping him up this week. Yep, for sure. But, um, 465 is a slightly awkward price, but I'd 4% ownership, minus 36. So I'd, I'd, if you're looking to um, move around your halves, I think he's probably the guy you want to bring in. Yeah, he's also got a um, a matchup this week against the Parramatta Reels, which um, should be points based on current form. And realistically, I mean, looking at his next five games for the Panthers, uh, they got, yeah, so the Eels. And then the Gold Coast Titans. So the next couple of weeks are pretty good. After that, it gets a little bit tougher. They've got the, the Sharks, the Bulldogs, and the Cowboys. But three out of the next five are also at home at Penrith. So he looks like a, he looks like a decent purchase that I don't think many people will go in. I'm sure a lot of people are disgruntled with their halves. I reckon there's about 100,000 people out of the 127,000 super coaches that have a half that they're not happy with, per se. Yeah, I'd say so. Everyone that doesn't know would <laughs> yeah, exactly. Averaging ninety nine point five, he's almost eight hundred k. Oh, it's insane, isn't it? Um, I was I was looking at him as a buy a couple of weeks ago, and I just couldn't do it. It was um, I, I tried to do it, and then I went, "What are you doing, Barnsley? You can't rip your team apart here." Gareth Whitapin, and jeez, uh, he, he looks so good. Anyone who started with him has done well. No, anyone started with him has been top one thousand. I'd say. Yep. So, sort of, <laughs> sort of different. So moving off Maloney, oh, I agree he's a, he's a decent buy if you if you need him as a half. Let's have a bit of a talk, though, about the mid-range second-row forwards because it's a bit of a logjam of some very similar players that people are looking at. Around a similar type of price bracket in the mid-ranges, we've got Jai Arrow, uh, Fatala Mariner, Robbie Rocco, and Cam Murray. All of them have had good price rises. All of them have quite low break-evens, though. And all of them have actually looked pretty good form-wise and seem to have cemented uh, some decent positions in their sides. I can see people going for all of those guys. Uh, how many of those four do you have in your team at the moment? Uh, I'll go for Taylor Mariner and Rocker. Uh, I'm looking at Murray and Arrow as well. 
for Morn, um, for Carl Mariners, the pick out of those guys, he's playing 80 every week. Uh, he's consistently scoring over 60 as well. A lot of that's just mainly uh, BBA as well. So uh, Rocco is going to dump. <laughs> but uh, he managed to get across the line on the weekend, so it's put his BBA back out to uh, minus 30. Patel Mariner still only owned by 10% too, which he's likely polished. Murray on the weekend, I mean, he's looking pretty good, but still only 70-odd with a try, so there's a little bit of a question mark there. And Arrow, just not completely convinced that he's going to get the consistent minutes in that sword. He looks good too, though. The last couple of weeks he's been uh, very strong in the base, and I mean, if he gets that 60-minute mark, he, uh, he, he looks like this year's Wallace, really, but um, it just... Don't know about that rotation in the um, the the Titans back. Yeah, I'm not sure either. I mean, I, I think ranking them. If you're going for cash, Robbie Rocco is the is the guy to grab just for the quick cash grab. If you're going for points and value, um, I'd probably lean towards Vitala Mariner out of the four. But you know, I I think most people have started probably with with either one of those guys at least. So it's probably an easier decision for some. Oh, I had all four at one point. I can tell you I had they're all four at one point. Plus average and they're all cheap as buggery to start the season. And- well, it's it's hard too because you, you know, I, I looked at some sides before round one and they and I had all four, of, th- at least three out of the, those four in different combinations in the side. And it, you just, you can't normally have that many mid-rangers. Um, so, you, you know, try and put a gun or two in there in each position. But, yeah, you would have been killing it. Question for you for Arrow. He's starting at lock. You mentioned the minutes. Cardi's on the bench. I I obviously believe that Cardi can't keep getting you know two or three minutes a game. I was assuming that he would probably eat into Matthews' minutes to sort of keep Arrow safe at the thirteen spot. Is that sort of how you're seeing the rotation? Yeah, that and um, yeah. Well, Wallace is going to he Wallace dominates uh, the minutes. Jones is back in the middle now as well. So as Wallace gets fitter, he's going to play more minutes. Latu seems to have disappeared off the planet at the moment. Threat, but there's always guys like King and Boyle and that when they play, they play pretty solid minutes. I don't know if it's going to be consistent, the minutes narrow. That's the one question mark about him. When he's getting the minutes, there's no doubt about it. He's a, he's a base that base. It's just those question marks. And now, look, if he didn't start, when he took the punt and started with him, then, yeah, he's done well. But at 411K, Bird of 17, I don't know if he'd be, I don't know. It's a, it's a tough call to bring in a guy at that sort of awkward price with just so many question marks around. Yeah, I mean, I'd probably rank Cam Murray as the, the last purchase out of all of them, though. He's, he's only got a BE of three, but he um, he's 472K, so he's a hell of a lot more expensive than the rest of the guys. So he's probably someone who I probably yeah would be least in would be the least enticing one to be bringing into my side. I mean, I was also someone who looked at him last round like a lot of people did, and I held off. Um, and a lot of good coaches didn't and grabbed him. I'm real big on him, and I was watching the game on my phone because uh, I was travelling, and it was um, you know 38 38 super coach points, you know, to three quarters of the way through the game, and I was just cheering. I was just going look. Finally, Barnsley, you made a good decision the last couple of weeks. Did it bring in Cam Murray? He's looking at 39, 40 points. And then um, all of a sudden he goes over for that try. And I think I just about dropped my phone at the airport. <laughs> it just killed me. <laughs> yeah, just a tale of supercars this year, isn't it? And uh, 
Sammy Bird has been rubbed out for two games. Probably goes well for Murray as well. So <laughs> he, he could pile on the points for the next couple of weeks. But middle forwards have been, by and large, extremely disappointing for Supercats this year. And that has to do with uh, the crackdown and the ruck and everything with all the extra penalties and that sort of stuff. So it's really a lottery. Yeah, it really is. And I mean, I'm, it's funny that you bring that up because that's a good segue into ourselves. Um, there's a couple of big-name forwards who are definitely on the chopping block. The first one, I don't think we're going to have to discuss for very long. Papali, if I absolutely nailed Fatala Mariner in the off-season perso and told everyone to start with him, I did the absolute opposite by saying Josh Papali was going to be a great pod gun to start with. He has been atrocious. Yeah, Papali, what a fucking disappointment he was. I started with him while you, Barnsley. He was sort of the donut king phase two this year. He's just looked lazy. He hasn't really done much. The Raiders have sucked. He hasn't got much decent ball. So anyone that's still got him, obviously, get rid of him. Yeah, got to, got to get rid of him this week. He's um, he's on the extended bench. Um, it looks like uh, Stewart's wielded the axe and Papali's there. And the other thing, too, is that it's, um, he might he might very well be playing second grade this week if there's not a late change. But he's also uh, rumoured to be uh, either signed with South or talking to South. So that might be part of him being on the outer and his attitude and stuff. So there's no way you can hold Papali past this week. It's not even... Um, not even worth talking about. Just just forget about what I said in the preseason and everyone else. So what you thought about Papali, he is absolute garbage this year. But he's uh, been part of the great um, edge forward disappointment so far this year. You can, oh, you can add the guys like Corden or Gillett and um, even Crichton to the extent of the guys that um, the gun edge forwards for the past that sort of pottish guns. None of them have gone anywhere near firing this year. So. Well, there's a lot of cells with those guys, that's for sure. Um, and another forward who's in a similar type of category, similar price range, big expectations, was Trent Merrin. Uh, I was all over Trent Merrin myself, um, which we've spoken about in the preseason. Uh, and even last year, he started off badly. And I've said to guys uh, over the first couple of rounds, just be patient with him. He's not that expensive. He's B, he's not that big. Um, you know, it took him seven or eight weeks to come good last year, but he really went firing and he looks fitter now. Maybe week four would be better. He, um, he's got a BE of 87. He isn't getting the minutes. You know, he's had sub 40 minutes this year in a game, which is just phenomenally crazy to me. He's probably their best forward. And I don't know why he'll keep screwing with his minutes, but it's not a matter of uh, talent or performance with Merrin, I don't think. It's just a matter of him not getting the minutes. And I think in four rounds... Uh, I'm not seeing a light at the end of the minutes tunnel per se. Do you think Hook starts to give him more minutes now or soon, or do you think he's just too far gone? Nah, he's not going to see the minutes, mate, in that pack. That's the problem. That forward pack is that good at the moment. There's that many guys competing for minutes that he doesn't need to play him for any longer than he has been. Then um, it's a similar issue with um, JDB and Vaughan and that, at, uh, at the Dragons. Both the Dragons and Panthers packs are probably the form packs of the comp at the moment. They're all rolling off each other. They can all play good minutes. And NRL-wise, it's fantastic for uh, Dragons and Panthers supporters, but Supercoach-wise, it's killed a couple of guns. And JDB and Merrin, I don't think either of them are going to be Supercoach relevant this year. JDB was in everything on the weekend. Visual-wise, he had an outstanding game. And um, he didn't hit 50 Supercoach points. <laughs> so the, couple of the, the middle forward guns, that sort of... The balance in those packs being so good, they've got a lot of guys and they don't need to play them over those minutes, but coupled with the um, the stoppages in games now from the penalties and middle forwards are just really suffering. 
Yeah, they really are. And, I mean, I guess I, the good thing, the positive with Trent Merrin, um, as opposed to someone like Papali or JDB or some of these other guys, is that you can sell him now. And if you started with him, you've, you're selling him an 18K profit, which isn't much, but it's only the one trade to get him out. So, yeah, he's he's not, he's not bled, price, uh, bled in price too badly. You've got an extra 18K to play with there because he started pretty cheap. So... Not too bad. If you had to wait a week, I wouldn't mind waiting a week if you had more pressing issues. I think that that makes sense. Um, if you've got some other guys that you just have to get out, like if you've got Papali and Merrin in your back row, get Papali out now, cop Merrin for a week because at worst you're probably going to just be at your break-even um, price of what you're starting him at. And he's got an 87. Um, and, and I will say per se that he's playing the Parramatta Eels who – they only played a month ago. They played Parramatta round one, and he ended up with 73 points in that game off 50 minutes. So, I mean, he does seem to like playing the Eels' Trent Merrins, so it could happen again. The problem is with Merrin, who are you trading to at the moment now? Because um, the guys we were talking about earlier, the ones that are sort of been performing pretty well, mid-range Chibis in the, um, the back row, your, your Murrays and your Arrows and those sort of guys, like this sort of... Uh, it's sort of a sideways trade almost, getting a, a merit to them. So, I mean, if you can move a bit of coin around, maybe you're looking at going a merit to a Hess type or something like that. I don't know. It's, it's, it's hard to say who to upgrade to because there's just no... I don't, think, no, I don't um, think I would upgrade. Out guns in the back. Yeah, I don't think I'd be aiming for an upgrade. I think that's the key if you're going to trade Merrin out. I reckon that all these sort of guys like Merrin and even a JDB and stuff, I, I think you're not going to try and get another gun, I think the best trade is to downgrade and get an upgrade somewhere else while still maintaining the same points. So for me, like my, my team personally, I'm actually looking at a trade at the moment, which is uh, Trent Merrin and Lachlan Croker out and bringing in Jai Arrow and I net, you know, 140K odd between Arrow and Merrin and I use that in my bank to go from Croker to Maloney in the halves. So I think that's the go. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't. I agree with you though. There's no way I'd be going Merrin to a lottery of trying to pick, you know, whether Cohen Hess will keep it up or one of these other guys that you got to find money to get to. Yeah, I, I think you'd just as sooner just see what Merrin does the next week or so than sort of do that type of risk because you're probably going to get the similar points for the same sort of money anyway. I think you got to try and free up some cash if you're going to if you're going to get rid of Mez. But I've got to tell you, Perso, I, I might need you to talk me out of it, but. I was going to trade him, but I'm looking at Parramatta and the Gold Coast the next two weeks. The fact that he did 73 and 83 points the first two weeks against soft teams with only 50 and 57 minutes in those games, my heart's telling me just to just to stick with Merrin another week or two. Am I crazy? No, I'd probably if I if I had him in all honesty, the way um, the back row is this year <laughs> after it looked so promising on paper through um, the off season. Well, if you got more pressing issues, I'd be inclined to hold because it's only you know, there's one attacking set and um, it'll start rolling again. And as you said, he's because he, he started so cheap, you're not losing anything. So I think the pro, everyone's probably got more pressing issues in their side than uh, Trent Merrin. If, if yeah. in all honesty, if I had Trent Merrin, I would probably hold him for another week or two, unless your side's perfect and he's the only problem you've got. Yeah, I agree, and I'm going to have to do a lot of thinking on whether um, whether I get rid of Merrin this week or I hold for another week or two and see what happens. But another reason why I was actually looking at um, possibly training Trent Merrin is because the news came in this evening that 
Sam Burgess was unsuccessful in contesting his charge, and he's going to be out for two weeks, uh, suspended now. I um I, I thought that char- that charge initially was a joke myself personally. Both of us have played a bit of footy before um, in the forwards as well. I don't think you can run without putting your your arm up or bracing yourself with your forearm when you're going to hit a defensive line, especially when guys are going high. I I thought it was a borderline penalty to be honest, let alone getting cited and then getting two weeks for it. No, it was so disappointing. There was nothing in that. He didn't even raise it. He just sort of braced himself. Unfortunately, at the same time, Morris sort of it got him right in the throat. But it was it's a contact sport. There was no malice in that. Well, he didn't even raise it. Didn't even lead with it. Didn't raise with it. The fact that he got suspended for two weeks for it is an absolute joke. Oh, mate, uh, couldn't agree more. Oh, I'm filthy with that. Yeah, I'm more angry about that than what I am about all the offside penalties and everything. I've, I've broken my nose over a dozen times playing footy, and I reckon about six of them have been because I've tried to go in for for a higher tackle and I've copped an elbow or a shoulder or something because I've gone in that way, you know, and that's what happens. You go in that way, yeah, you get, you got to cop a few. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, uh, yeah that, that was ridiculous. Well, probably doesn't help either, which I'm sure the judiciary didn't take into account. That when you're a bloke like uh, Sergis, who's uh, six foot four, six foot five, you know Josh Morris is only about six foot. There's probably no way he could have avoided the forearm at the height that he's at. But anyway, um, we digress. The point is that Burgess is uh, looking at being traded out by a lot of people that are desperate now. Two weeks on the sidelines, he hasn't set the world on fire. Fifty-eight point average. Uh, but he's holding steady. He's um he's not got a high BE. It's only low fifties, I think. So for me, I'm going to try and hold him for two weeks because I don't want to have to um, think about having to get him back in later, especially because I started with him. I actually think he's a hold. Yeah, he's a hold. Come on, he's not set the world on fire, as you said, but he's been consistent enough. When you're looking at um, other middles that are that scoring, he's scoring sort of around that sixty mark every week. He's only uh, been we, below fifty. He's only been below fifty six once. Like a lot of people have said, right. you know, he's not been good. He's only been and below fifty six one out of four, and he's been sixty eight and sixty three in those other two highest scoring games. He passed the eye test on the weekend too. He was in everything. He was angry. He was looking. He was looking likely. So for me, there's no way I'll be trading him out. Um, I wouldn't be wasting a trade on him, especially with the amount of guys that everyone has in their side, the sort of lower to mid ranges that have been making money, everyone can probably sort of cover him. <laughs> You've got guys like Kick Out and Lodgen that they're averaging about the same or more. So, I mean, um, you can definitely cover him. I wouldn't be wasting a trade getting rid of Sammy Williams. No, and the other thing to consider too is that we're coming into round five. So, round 13 is not that far away, and he plays round 13 if the Bunnies playing the first big buy. So, uh, yeah, I, I reckon that anyone who sells him, in a month or so, when they start looking towards that buy, they're going to go, oh, I'm going to need to buy Sammy. And that's just going to be a waste. Well, he's probably likely to be the, the only middle forward that's worth bringing in by that round too. So you're definitely going to hold him. Oh, then again, there might be 17, uh, 17 mid-range guys by then that are all busting out 65 points. That might not matter. But, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see whether that trend continues. So, yeah, Burgess will we'll put on the hold list for sure. Another gun, though who has been under the spotlight is Jordan Rapana. So Rapana is very, very difficult. He was on our he was on our sell list to talk about. Oh, he's gone. Oh no. <laughs> I was gonna say I'm holding him. <laughs> I got rid of him two weeks ago. Oh <laughs> uh, per se he's um, looked into the crystal ball. Nah, the Raiders the Raiders suck. 
that's basically what got rid of me. I mean, I love Rapano. He's uh, he's like an offer for me. That just some of the better footballers I like watching him play footy and just uh, super coach wise, to rack up the points. But oh, the Raiders are terrible. All the base in the world is not going to help Rapano. He, he's yeah, I don't know. I I'm not even confident he's going to average sort of low to mid fifty this year. Now looking at that sword. All right. Well, I'll I'll do the devil's advocate argument for you. I've I currently have him, and that's slightly different scenario because um, if I sold him a couple of weeks ago, I'd probably be feeling good like you probably do. But there's a lot of people that still own him, and I think owning him, to put it in perspective, he's already lost eighty two thousand. I don't. Oh, I'm pretty confident that at some point he's going to start going well. The Raiders are a zero and four. They're not going to go through. I, I highly doubt they're going to be zero and six, zero and seven, zero and eight. They're going to jag a win somewhere in the next few weeks. They can't keep losing. He's got 123 BE, so he's going to bleed cash. But I feel like I just have to ride it now. And you brought up the point in the forwards. I'll bring up the same point in the centre wing. You're going to trade out Jordan Rapano, who's probably you know the the best centre wing that most people have on paper. Who do you trade him to? And that's the problem for me. I um. I can't. I can't roll with that's a heap of dirt. Question, Barty. That, that's the problem that you have in the boat at the moment. Yeah, that, oh, it's a it's a massive problem because you don't want to roll with a heap of dirt in there, even though that would have worked out well with the the semis and the canards and stuff. That's not going to continue, and then you're going to be in a yeah, real oh, bad well, spot. It, you could you could trade him out to a semi this week, and semi could get uh, thirty odd. You could trade him out and try and go someone's been scoring well, like a Masters, and then Masters will come out and score thirty odd this week. So. If you've still got him, you'd probably hold him. As you said, sooner or later he's going to come good. <laughs> Such a lottery this year. So. Oh, it's hard. But I'll, I'll give you the stat of the night right here for Jordan Rapana. Uh, he's currently costing $12,464 per point, which I think is the highest out of uh, any player in Supercoach. So he, it's, any point you get from Jordan Rapana, it's worth more than gold. <laughs> it's just unbelievable. But... You know, it's I'm confident he's going to come good, and um, I will throw a bit of a, a bit of a talking point out there. Uh, some other news that came out today was around Young Whiten and the police investigation around an incident in the off season, which was a bit of a brawl apparently with him and three of his mates in a pub in Canberra. That's um, that's coming to an end, and it's starting to hit the media a little bit. Uh, by all accounts, I think from everything that I've heard around the traps, he's probably guilty. Um, so he's probably going to be copying a suspension of some sort. And a lot of people have turned around and said, um, well, you know, does that mean that Jordan Rapana goes to fullback? His stats are pretty good at fullback. If uh, if White gets suspended in the next week or two and Rapana's at fullback and he's getting his hand on the ball a lot more and he's got that base right up, um, that could be coming up as well. Yeah, except I think you'll find Zach Sano will go to fullback. You reckon? Oh, I was hoping yeah. that Sano wouldn't get into the side. I thought that, um, <laughs> especially with their... With how their attack has stalled so much, I thought that maybe, you know, Rapana could be that breath of fresh air at fullback. But No, oh, I reckon he'd be awesome at fullback. But um yeah. Uh, who knows what Ricky will do, to be honest. But um yeah, I I would say that Zach Sando would go there. He's the one that's sort of been he trains there behind Wharton, um, he sort of fills in but I would assume that he'd be given first crack. All right, well, that, that's probably out the window as a hope then. Uh, so can't go on a hope and a prayer for that fullback spot. Probably the last thing then that I'll say to try and um, to try and save a partner in my own team and not get talked out of keeping him. Uh, it's The first two weeks, he was 50 and 78 points in losing efforts. 
and he's only scored one try in the four games. It's only been the last two weeks. He's he's gotten the twenty four and the twenty five the last two weeks. So I mean, look, two weeks is a two weeks is a short time in Supercoach. That can change very quickly. You know, there's some very good players and all time greats in Supercoach that have had a really poor fortnight. It's it's not really that long. He hasn't been going terrible for a month, has he? No, he scores typical for um, for Rapana. I mean, he goes through those stretches. The first week, nothing. Fifty odd was pretty good. Then he got the eighty two. Uh, last couple of weeks, couple of twenties, he does that sort of thing. It's just for me the eye test. The Raiders don't pass it at all. I I really think they're bottom sort of four. I said it all pre-season. They're bottom four, which is I'm sort of kicking myself. Why the hell did I start Rapana and Parley when I was saying <laughs> the Raiders are going to be bottom four this year? <laughs> they're sort of proving me right and wrong at the same time. But I just they look ordinary. The Raiders. That's that's the biggest problem. I don't see, like, Rapana scored, he was a top try scorer last year, so I don't know if he scored 10 tries this year. He's as good as his um, base attack is, it's been down on um, pre- the last two seasons. So, I don't know. It's, <laughs> but it, it's that sort of negativity in the side rolls on. The, they just look like a side that can't score points at the moment, the Raiders, so. Everything sort of, um, there's none of them are playing with confidence. They're all sort of down. It can turn around in two weeks in the NRL these days, that's for sure. Well, I'm yeah, going to I'm going to put that down to the the Perso reverse mocker and say that, that Rapana's going to come out and blitz the Bulldogs. Uh, next two weeks, he's playing in Canberra against the Bulldogs and the Parramatta Reels. So I'm going to hold strong for those games. After that, he's away, but against South Sydney, I reckon the next few weeks. The Raiders. That's a pretty easy goal, then. Dogs, uh, dogs, Earls, and South. And two or three of those are at home as well. So I'm going to go out and limb here. I'm going to make a. I'm going to come good. It'll be against those. If I tell you what, if the Raiders and uh, Rapana don't come good over the next three weeks, then they're in all corners. Oh, look, if, yeah. If they don't come good in the next few weeks, I'm sure Sticky will be looking for a new job. So. Yeah, I'm going to be holding. I'm going to be holding Rapana myself. I understand people selling 123 BE, but. You should really, really have a quick look at who you're going to get instead and, you know, what you're going to do with that 82K loss that you had as well already. We'll, we'll move on from Rapata because uh, I'm filthy that I started with him now as well. A couple of other guys that are sort of one, two that are in the halves or, or maybe Cardi's in people's second row, but um, I know a lot of people have got Cardi and Lachlan Croker in their halves at the moment. And with people like James Maloney coming up as a decent buy or even some other options, um, guys are looking at selling. DCE was another one thrown around to get a gun in. Croker has not set the world on fire by any means. He you know, was in a really dominant side last week and he didn't get many points at all. Um, and his average is only 35 points. Yeah, so lock on Croker. Um, he's got a 35 BE um, at the moment and he's... A guy who scored, you know, 22, 22, 72 and 23 points in the first month of the season. Uh, I'm I'm looking at moving on myself, even though he does have the Titans away, which, you know, aside from last week, could be a good game. Uh, I don't mind him being a sell person. Yeah, that sort of BE and the sort of performance we've seen. Yeah, he's a bit of a nightmare. There's no one else coming through. Like, ideally, you want to um, you get a guy like him come through. Start the season, uh, Chuby. Make some money, trade him out to someone else who's another cheapie coming through. He hasn't made anywhere near enough coin to be sort of 
looking to that. So he's there. Like, I'm I mean, going to hold him at the moment and hope that he does something. <laughs> yeah, but, he, um, he's made 90 grand, though. Could be worse. Yeah, it could be worse, but it's uh, 90 grand with the way the salary cap's going up. It's uh, like, it's like half a trade. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I tell you the reason why I'm selling him. It's not not just because of him peaking and stuff. I don't think that he's going to do much better anyway. Maybe he'll go on a little bit of a run and he'll bring in <laughs> yeah, another. Yeah, he comes out three tries. Oh, don't say it. this week against the Titans. I can see it happening too. There's no <laughs> turbo there. He's going to get the ball more. Just it's, it's it's written all over my trades this week that both of them are going to blow up. But anyway, it, I guess the thing with Croker for me is the position that he's in. So like. If he was a centre wing or a second row forward, I think it would be a lot easier just to hold him and just to see what happens, especially with the Titans this week. Yeah, that's that's an easy call. The problem is that for me, the more and more I look at it, you know, the halves seem like the great spot to be loading up and to be grabbing the points. And all those premium players so far have been in the halves and fullbacks. So for me, he's just taking a spot off someone who I know I'm going to get good points from, and that's why he's a sell for my team. The rest of the balance of your side and where you're spending the money and what you've got. We get another guy in. Actually, holding Kroger, and I'm going to hold Cartwright this week as well. I'm moving Cartwright from second row to my second five race because I'm getting rid of Walker, the the bump, using his money elsewhere. So, which is interesting with Cardi too because he's probably a massive sell for a lot of people, but he hasn't. He's cheap as bugger. He hasn't made anything. He's not really. He can sit there as far as concerned in the NPRs for the moment. Sooner or later. They only need one game where they score a try or something and they're going to make some money. So at the moment, they'll lose to more players. Yeah, I'm I'm going to keep Cardi as well at the moment. Um, and he's someone else who's on the sell list. I can understand people selling him and I wouldn't be trying to talk anyone into holding him mainly because he hasn't really... I think it was really it was really the most concerning thing for me is on the weekend, he's um he's got those, he's gotten those couple minutes, yeah. He's looked hideous, but he was started the season so cheap. That's the thing. So sooner or later, something will happen. He'll, he'll make some money. Yeah, it will. And I mean, he's not like you said earlier. He's not going to be your biggest problem. But I guess for those sides that are going okay and they need to jump on someone who's going to be a good buy, or you know, particularly next week if you've got some jewels and George Jennings is ripe um, and you don't have anyone to sell. Uh, I can understand people getting off Cardi. I don't think he's looked good at all either. Um, and I was talking oh, to... Oh, I don't begrudge anyone getting rid of him, that's for sure. He looks fucking useless. But <laughs> uh, I've got more pressing issues uh, that uh, that clan can just sit there and collect dust, as far as I'm concerned, but, and, and hopefully ride out one of those games where he gets a double or something and just make some coin. But the biggest thing with that perso is um, I was I was talking to a couple of guys during the game on on Facebook and stuff. Um, not the past game, but the one before two weeks ago. And I was saying, without looking at the scores, oh, you know, he's he's going okay. He's got an offload. There's another offload. I think he got three offloads. He doesn't look, he doesn't look good at all, does he? No, he doesn't. But just for Super Coach, you know, I was counting the fact that he had a few offloads there, and he made about you know forty something tackles. And I thought, oh, well, look, this is going to be a good score. And I looked at his score, and he still only scored 38. And, I mean, that's the thing. He looked so bad in the other games. And the one game where he actually did a lot of stuff and was involved, if he's going to get that involved and get, like, three offloads and and make 40-odd tackles and he's still only getting 38 points, I don't know how easy it is going to be for him to hit some upside and actually go on a run. Nah, it's hitting hard. It's what you're hoping with. 
<laughs> yeah. He's more just somewhere on the line. He's riding an offload to lead to a try or he gets a try himself and makes a little bit of snappy coin somewhere. But he's, he wouldn't go anywhere near playing him in the 17. But the way this season has been, I'm sure there's plenty of super coaches out there that um, have got more pressing issues than sort of punting in this week with a B of 44. So uh, well, I'm quite happy to let him sit there and just collect dust. That's, that's my angle with him. But uh, it all depends on the balance he's sold. Yep. So I think depending on your side, he's, he's, he's a fair sell. Otherwise, you can hold him and hope for the best. He's going to start to lose money, though, at this point. But, yeah, we'll see how it, we'll see how it plays out. So really, that's probably all of our, all of our main sells to talk about for this week. It, like I said at the start of our Market Watch segment, it's a little bit harder because it's um, there isn't a lot of definitive buys and a lot of definitive sells because so many guys are just going so badly. Uh, and the, the season's just so all over the place. It's really hard to tell at this point what way to go. If you don't have any problems in your team, you've done really well. But I think everybody's got multiple ones. So let's move on to TLT to try and help us feel a bit better and more positive per se. First game of the round, the, the Raiders and the Canterbury-Bankstown Bulldogs on Thursday night. This one's at um, at Canberra, which is nice. But the big change, like we already mentioned, is uh, Josh Papali is uh, in jumper 21 and looks like he's probably going to be dropped and Liam Knight comes into the 17 um, to replace him. Uh, so that means that we've got Bateman moving to lock and Whitehead to the second row. So those are the big changes. I've got to say, for the Raiders, for a side that's 0-4 and four, and with all the attack issues they've had, I'm a little bit surprised that their big sweeping axe just caught Papali and nothing else. Yeah, there's something else brewing there. We touched on it before. Hundred <laughs> percent, there's something else brewing there. He's the uh, the loose of their their worries about um, scoring points, and I mean, he's been unenthusiastic. Thing else this year hasn't really performed anywhere near his best. But yeah, there's something else brewing there for sure. But having said that, uh, Tapuni and Elliot are pretty good within those roles. But um, yeah, I, the Raiders are rubbish at the moment. Yeah, they've been pretty bad. We've got um, Aiden Caesar and Sam Williams in the halves again and um, and Blake Austin in Jersey 20, so it looks like he's on the outer still. So that's probably the only other thing that's really super close, super coach relevant. Uh, aside from Joe Tuppany, who you, um, you mentioned, he's I started with him and I was annoyed that I had to get rid of him because of that injury. Um, he's someone to keep on the watch list for this week. He had some really good work at the start of the year before he hurt himself in that first game. Yeah, he's a massive watch. He's a bloody good player, Tarpin. Another one of those guys, just a natural footballer. He should he'll pretty much go close to playing Artie Stone on the edge. So definitely a watch, but um, you'd like the Rays to be going better. I'll tell you who's another watch, just so I can uh, say to everyone, I think including you from memory that I told you so, my mate Havili. He just keeps on going, starting number nine, Ada Hingano on the bench to, to sub him for a few minutes. He's um he's looking priceless right now for me. Ah, oh, Havili's been solid as Arnie and his that's for sure. But, um, <laughs> I think everyone, everyone started with him. I started with him and Cook. Um, that Cook and Havili combo is looking pretty good now, especially considering Cameron Smith is the um, languishing at fifth on the list of hookers so far this year. So. <laughs> Which is good, but uh, the cook Havili combo, I, I'm not sure anyone that uh, would be disappointed starting with those guys. No, one of the few um, good moves that I made for round one, I can say that. So I did. Nah, I did. Probably get the only. Yeah. 
I, I had that in RFM. I'll hang my hat on those two. TPJ was looking good too. But we digress. Let's talk about the, the Canterbury-Bankstown Bulldogs. I think the Bulldogs will get done this week. I'm going to make that big call. I reckon the Raiders are going to win this one and um, get back into form. But for the Dogs, Aidan Tolman's out with his ankle injury that he picked up. So that means that Adam Elliott uh, comes in and starts at lock, which I think most people thought before, um, a couple of weeks before round one, that he was going to be the starting lock. Kerrit Holland's joining the bench as well. Um, so that's an interesting one. I, I can't remember. I don't think that he, he started from the bench any games previously. Um, I'm not sure what the thinking is with that person. No, oh, I'd say it'd be over Josh Morris, copping that knock last week, maybe. That, that'd be my guess. I can't see him coming in the sword playing off the bench. There'd be, there'd be a cloud over someone, which they'd um, Burgess. We touched on earlier, maybe one of the <laughs> maybe Josh Morris is a little bit sore, so he's there as cover. But apart from that, um, yeah, Adam Elliott was um, Tavis playing lock all, all summer, so he, he's trained a fair bit there. And he might be a, an interesting one to watch actually because uh, his minutes might be half decent now with uh, Tolman out. Yeah, that is an interesting one. I'm going to keep my eye on him. I, I thought that he looked pretty good in spurts last year. When he played in City Country, he actually looked good and, and people were talking about him being a future rep player. So, yeah, I'm going to be watching him. I'm also going to be watching for Tyler Mariner on the edge against the Raiders' edge defence. I reckon he might have a big one as well. Um, oh, you've got Tun written all over him this week. Sneaky captain choice of Mariner. <laughs> I might go to the VC just to be a little bit safer. <laughs> The next game, we've got the Sharks uh, versus the Roosters, uh, which is always a big one for me living in the Shire and being a Roosters supporter. 6 p.m. Friday. Um, the big news for this one is that we've got Josh Dugan returning at fullback for the Sharkies, pushing Holmes to the wing, Edric Lee out, um, and Matt Moylan comes back in as well uh, with Trent Hodgkinson uh, dropping out as well. So Moylan and Dugan, two big ins for him. have to say, though, for me on paper, uh, they're big ins, but... Um, in real life, yeah, they might have been better off how they were before, to be honest. Yeah, it's... Um, <laughs> throw the banner over the struggling guns at the moment. Sharks um, don't look too good at all, to be honest. Sharks have uh, been struggling a little bit as well. This should, could have been one of the games built to uh, be fantastic this weekend, but uh, I don't know who's going to get up. <laughs> yeah, well, but, uh, it'll be the Roosters, mate. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they're about you. But, um, yeah, it's, it's super coach wise This is pretty relevant, this game, really. The Sharks are extremely super coach relevant so far this season. Yeah, they have been. I think that they'll get done by the Roosters. I, I really think that um, Moylan and, to a lesser extent, Dugan have a fitting in great, particularly Moylan. Um, I don't think it's fitting in well, and I think it's going to show this week with them throwing them back in there. Um, the Roosters... Uh, surprisingly uh, unchanged for this game, um, which as a Roosters fan, I was surprised about. Um, I thought Reese Robinson uh, looked bad. He looked like a third or fourth string winger that should be playing second grade and probably not get many games of NRL. Um, and I thought that he was actually going to get dropped. Mitch Orbison um, is there on the bench. I did think that they were going to push one of the centres to the wing and put Orbo in the centres after that performance against the Warriors. But he stuck strong with Reese Robinson, which is quite surprising. Likewise, um, for me, the Fords lacked a bit of punch and a bit of aggression. And so I thought that someone like maybe Taki Aho might find himself back on the bench with a JWH starting or something like that. 
yeah, Robbo stayed exactly the same, so there's not too much to see, per se. Yeah, I don't think he's got a lot of options at the moment, to be honest. That's like touched on in the season. Um, Roos's forward packs, yeah, it's got a lot of question marks over it, and it's been sort of shut up a little bit at the moment. This will be a very interesting game, uh, both NRL-wise and Supercoach-wise, actually, because both sides touted to be one of the better sides in the comp, and they're both struggling a little bit, so... And I think they're both struggling through the middle. So it's a really interesting game for me to watch. I, I can't wait to watch it. But yeah, Super Coach wise, so, no, there's not too many relevant players in all that. Hopefully, all the Roosters' points go down uh, through Madison and then you get some more. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. I thought it started with him. He's been a shining light until uh, last week and he knows a double this week. Yeah, it's, uh, he's unfortunately looking like he's going to fall victim to the Roosters' um, forward struggles with the, the bearing rotations and things that are going on. And um, although Victor Radley actually looked really good last week, and he might be playing himself into more back row minutes the way he's going, as opposed to um, just going on and being a hooker. Um, Jake Friend, I thought was really poor. To be honest, I, I've much to the disgruntlement of many Roosters fans who turn their nose up at me. I used to love Jake Friend, but the last 18 to 24 months, I've actually not wanted him in the team at all. His service from dummy half has been poor. You watched a lot of the game last week. He, Cooper Cronk was having to put his hands over his head to catch these balls on last tackles and do a quick kick and uh, just so many bad decisions um, and when to run and when to pass and he just he really stunts stunts the attack a lot. Um, so I mean, I, I'd be very happy if Radley was our starting hooker at the moment, to be honest. But that's not going to happen. So I'm going to pin my hopes on Blake Ferguson, who I put in my side a couple of weeks ago, and has looked like a decent centre wing option. Playing the Sharks, mate. He um, he generally gets up against the Sharks. His old club. He's normally got a bit more animosity toward him. Gets a bit of aggression going. So my tip's going to be Blake Ferguson for a good one. Yeah, running off Cronk too. That's. Um... That's never it. He's actually started the season pretty well, Ferguson. So he's a, uh, a bit of a port. So let's move on because there's not too much to talk about there. St. George Illawarra Dragons versus South Sydney Rabbitohs at Jubilee. Uh, the Dragons are absolutely on fire. So we really, we've only got very, well, we really don't have many changes aside from the the quintessential late shift that uh, Mary McGregor likes to do of Lattimore being 18th man and then moving into the side probably before kickoff. Every week, aside from that one, it's an unchanged side as you'd expect. And um, the Dragons forwards haven't actually been good because, like you said, they've had a lot of um, had a lot of minutes to distribute across all those star forwards. But their backs, uh, Nene McDonald, Ewan Aiken, Tim Laffey, Gareth Witter, Ben Hunt, almost their entire backline has has gone great guns for at least the last few weeks. And um, Matt Dufty's shown some good touches at times as well. Pretty exciting super coach team, person. Yeah, the Dragons have been on fire. Um, they've been very crisp. Their attack looks phenomenal. I can't see it letting up. I honestly think the Dragons are going to run up numbers. They're averaging 34 points a game as it is already. Um, the Bunnies are struggling. This could be anything, this game. I, I, I really can see, unfortunately, another Gareth Widdop captaincy coming for a lot of good coaches and... Um... Another 300 points or something Whit- for it. Whit- Whit- could be worth a million bucks in a week this time. Oh, it's crazy. Well, he's going. It's out of control. Well, he's almost hit the 800K mark. So, I mean, it's it's looking like it's going to be a million plus after this game, the way it might play out. Aside from the Dragons, though, the, the other big talking point that we already touched on is 
Uh, big news for the Bunnies is that Sam Burgess is out, and this Rabbits pack probably means that Mark Nichols gets a bit of a reprieve. So anyone who was holding him, he's a decent shot at maybe starting in number ten for Sam Burgess. Yeah, he might he might play twenty five minutes this week instead of twenty. Oh, that'll that'll double his price. <laughs> It'll quadruple his average. Well, what a great wide over of expectation. He turned out to be an absolute bum, didn't he? Oh, he was terrible. Well, I sold him two weeks ago. I, I wasn't going to stick with him. But um, the other big... No, I'll get rid of him after round one. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's a quick trigger there. But um, Adam Dewey is the other big talking point. So um, Adam Reynolds is back in the side with the other big key change. Reynolds back means that we have Dewey on the bench. Um, he's still got a minus BE, so he's still going to make some cash this week. He made close to 50K just with the one price rise. So hopefully, hopefully he gets some decent minutes off the bench, but it looks like as a bench player, he's probably only got a two-week lifespan before he's going to have to get punted. Yeah, well, that was always a risk with Dewey. Um, if you were bringing him in, you were taking a punt that he might have um, racked up a couple of numbers, and he hasn't. Uh, if you still had him, you just keep him there and take a punt that Reynolds is going to play one or two games and get injured again. And keep him there, to be honest. So he's, um, yeah, if you're a Dewey owner, you just hang on to him and, and ride it out, I reckon. Yeah, and those are the two main changes, really. Aside from that, um, you know, I think that the, the rabbits probably get towed up with that team as well, particularly in the Ford pack. So um, if you do own any of those rabbits, I don't know if any of them are really fringe starters that people would be owning. I mean, I'm, I'm even concerned with Damien Cook this game with the sort of score that the Dragons could put up on them and tell them up, Cook might not be the best. So if you had like a Smith-Cook combo and you had a really good side going, it might even be a, a pretty good move to actually bench Cook and not play him. Yeah, he might get his lower score with the season. I think Cook's been outstanding, but uh, oh, the, oh, the Dragons are going to flog him. I reckon so too. So let's let's move on to a more exciting game, a bit of a closer one. I reckon this one might be a, an 8-7 eight, eight, extravaganza on the scoreboard. The West Tigers versus the Melbourne Storm on Saturday. Your Tigers just keep on keeping on, mate. Uh, I can't believe the turnaround, to be honest, Barnsley. The turnaround in defence is the biggest thing. Uh, apart from falling asleep in the last 15 minutes against the Eels on the weekend, the defence has been outstanding. So, yeah, this is anyone's game this weekend. Probably won't be a high super coach scoring game. or going to be another repeat. Uh, anything could happen. It's um it's an unchanged team as well from the Easter Monday win over the Eels. Josh Reynolds is looking like he's he's a week or two away still, so they've got exactly the same side. The interesting ones, I guess, in this one, I mean, I, I do think it's going to be low scoring, so I'm not sure if I'd really want any of these guys, but they only played a couple of weeks ago, these two. Robbie Rocco had a terrible score. I think it was like 23 points or something. So, you know, I was looking at playing him this week because of his great score last week and Sam Burgess being out. Oh, I'm not sure against the against the storm. Um, the other one that um, I am interested to watch this week is Matt Eisenhuth. A um, bit of a left field one to talk about per se, just briefly. But with all the guns that aren't actually working out or anything, uh, Eisenhuth in in four weeks has quietly gone from you know lowest score of 50 to highest score of 76, which was last week when he when he bagged a try. He's been quietly plugging along as um, a guy that's actually scored more than a lot of the big guns of yesteryear. Yeah, you just like him to get another 10 minutes consistently to to be all over. Because he was 
awkwardly priced because uh, when he came in last year, he had some good time minutes and averaged 55 ish, I think. So he was pretty expensive to start the season with. That's, uh, that was, and he sort of backed it up. He's sort of still hovering around that point, which is um, better than a lot of guys at the moment. But um, you'd just like to see him consistently get another 10 minutes to, to be super cash minded. If, if you got another 10 minutes, he'd have a 50 plus average, I reckon. Definitely one to watch. A little bit awkward priced. Uh, massive pod, though. Oh, massive pod. He's on my watch list because I like him as a player, but I was just going through some of the numbers. And if you take away some of the names and just look at the numbers, he comes out on top of a lot of the other guys, um, including probably even his cousin, uh, Paul Gallen. So um, the other the other thing to mention as well is it is an unchanged team, but that unchanged team also means that David Nofaluma is still out in the cold. Um, Tui Lola here retains the spot at fullback with Thompson moved back to the wing. Nofaluma is nowhere to be seen. Do you reckon that might be a late change and Nofa will come in, or do you think that he's um he's really nah, in the doghouse? Nah, Nofa Nofa is behind Thompson, hundred percent behind Thompson. And on Thompson's form, I don't, I don't know how Nofa is going to get back in the side. To be honest, yeah, you know, I can see him leaving the club because <laughs> he's not going to get a run. That's how. Um, He's not coming back anytime soon. Unless the only way Nofa gets back in is Lola Hoya being out and Thompson going back fullback. Yeah, that's um, and Thompson's game. Thompson's game on the weekend was outstanding. So it's um, Nofa. Unfortunately, as good as Nofa is in attack, he's got a um, a long road back in getting in that sword. Yeah, unfortunate for super coaches, especially because he came back for that first game and looked great. But um, yeah, he's. If you had him in your side, I know a couple of people actually went and bought him after that. <laughs> you know, it's it's a pretty bad one to have in your side stuck there. But um, the story... Oh, you got to go. It was uh, a fair gamble, I suppose, when you took it, but yeah. I was never going to go for that gamble. But um, a gamble that I sort of half wish that I went for almost is uh, the Joe Stimson gamble on the Storm side. So the Storm have young Tonamapia replacing Will Chambers. He's suspended for a couple of weeks now. Kenny Brom- Bromwich comes in at lock. Uh, replaces Dale Finucane, who is injured for four to six weeks, I believe. Um, Felice Cafuzzi still around in that jersey 21, and he must be getting close, but I haven't seen anything to suggest he's coming back yet. So that means that Kenny Bromwich goes into 13, like I said, but Joe Stimson re- retains his number 11 jersey. I've actually liked Stimson for a little while, and he's played pretty well, made a heap of coin already now after that last uh, price rise after the last round. And uh, he's got a minus break even still and retained his starting spot. So I kind of wish I got on him, but um, he's one of those ones where, you know, maybe next week he loses his job to Kafuzi anyway. Uh, he's one of those roll on. Anyone that's bought in Joe Stimson, <laughs> he's been kissed on the dick. Oh, yeah. <laughs> said. One of those roll on this shouldn't have been there, but he's gone in there and now someone else has got injured and he's gone in there. And, yeah, I'll. If you had him, kudos to you. It's an awesome uh, little grab, but there's no way he'd be bringing him in because at any minute he could get dropped. He looks, <laughs> he looks like playing a sneaky little a coin grab for those that took the punt with him. Yeah, he looks like a good one. Um, and somebody who doesn't look like a good one at the moment is Cam Smith after his 23 or 24 points that he got last week. He's uh, he's set to drop in cash big time, but he might be looking for a bit of redemption against the Tigers, I reckon, because he didn't have a great game against them either. Yeah, it's it's an interesting one, this one, because the Storm also have a couple of guys out that are going to hurt them a little bit, and the um, the Tigers are riding high and have the same side. So should be a good one, Perso. Do you reckon the Tigers are going to take it? Yeah, every chance. <laughs> Tigers are 
struggling the last couple of years. We've always put on a good performance against Melbourne. Melbourne's this will be another low-scoring game for sure. Yeah, coming up this weekend. So the next one we've got the New Zealand Warriors versus North Queensland Cowboys. This one's going to be a Mount Smart. Big changes are Sean Johnson being named again uh, for the Warriors and looking like he's going to be playing, which is great. So that pushes Mason Leno to the reserves. Uh, and Simon Mannering is the other big name. He comes onto the bench, uh, and unfortunately it's at the expense of Liggy Sow, who a lot of people had and um, were, were really keen on, and a few people traded him in after a couple of rounds because he looked like he was going to make some good coin. Got dropped to the bench, still looked like he was going well, but now it looks like he's uh, he's out of the 17. But Manners, he's finally back, Perso. Yeah, he's finally back, but he's super catch and relevant completely now. He'll be playing left edge. Who come on and, and uh, take Lavaha Pulu's spot? The old super coach gun that he was playing in the middle of the days are over. Yep. And that's probably the main things to really talk about with a side manner in coming in. And um, and I don't think he's going to be a buy either, but I've said that in prior years and he's proved me wrong. And Sean Johnson uh, being back. So all the Sean Johnson owners will be re- rejoicing. But uh, Roger Tuavaza Shek came back to earth last week as well. Uh, but Peter Hiku actually. Um, Kept on keeping on with a reasonably limited opportunity. He still managed 42. Um, so he's. Yeah, which is all based too, which is pretty solid. Yeah, it really he's is. Away, down. Still got a nice BD as well. Yeah, so I mean, hopefully, yeah, well, not everyone's got Peter Hickey, but uh, you really should have after his start to the season. He looked fantastic. Um, the Cowboys, on the other hand, um, the big they were talk- ordinary. Yeah, I mean, oh, they, they're looking in big trouble. Um, but in saying that, they are the type of side who they've got the experienced guys in there and they've got the experience to sort of step up and come good and the, the lesser guys are right on the back of a JT and Michael Morgan and a, a Matt Scott and Tom Malolo. I reckon those guys can lead them back this week. But we've got Scott Bolton starting at prop for Jordan McLean, who's actually out for three months after surgery on his foot, which is really, really big blow for them. Yeah, um, not really super cash for them, but it's a massive blow for the, the cows. They started very slowly this year. Uh, <laughs> JT, what do you do with him? It, it's The one factor with JT is he's still owned by like 43 44%, so you you probably hold him because everyone's in the same boat. But the Cowboys just look like a disgruntled side and attack at the moment. Far cry from where they were last year, so I, I can't see a lot of super case points coming towards them in the next few weeks. So it's it, it's really difficult. Apart from Callan Hess, everyone else seems to be um, pretty much irrelevant. I'm going to make a big call here. I'm going to say that the the Cowboys go over to Mount Smart and they win this one. And Jonathan Thurston is at least seventy five plus, and Jason Tomalolo is going to hit back to form, and Cohen Hess is going to grab a try. That's my big call for this round. And I reckon as well, super coach implications indirectly of Jordan McLean are going to be that Jason Tomalolo picks up some extra minutes finally. Yeah, um, I don't think he will. Uh, Fenton will come on to the bench. Yeah, at the moment they've got um, Corey Jensen that's come in. But uh, I, actually they haven't they haven't put Fenton into the reserves at all. He's not, he's not there. So he can't come in for this week at least. They've gone with Corey Jensen. So the bench is... Martin, Asiata, Jensen, and Lowe. Yeah, which looks reasonable this week, but yeah, I don't trust it. 
Yeah, well, we'll see what happens this week, Perso. You can either laugh at me next week or lord my <laughs> crystal ball of the, the Lolo, JT and Hess calls to destroy the Warriors. Then we're back up your neck of the woods, uh, McDonald's at uh, Jones Stadium, Newcastle Knights versus the Brisbane Broncos. This one should be a cracker to finish off Super Saturday. Um, I'm looking forward to this one. The big change for the Knights, Tatao Moga has unfortunately suffered his fourth ACL injury, so he's gone for the year again. Really unfortunate for him. Um, Nathan Ross moves to centre. Flying Ken Seo comes onto the wing. He had some good touches last year for the Knights. Um, not really super coach relevant, though. And uh, Safidi and Mitch Barnett swap back with um, Safidi going to the bench and Barnett going back to lock, respectively. But that's the only changes for them. Um, I was a bit surprised that Barnett even got dropped out of lock, to be honest, last week. Yeah, I'm not sure what that was going on there. But, um, yeah, he's still in that point pretty decent minutes. Yeah, it's a bit of a, a tragic... Um News from Marga. He's had a lot of uh, knee injuries through his career, and he's been playing some good footy with the Broncos last year, and then the North this year. So that, that's pretty, pretty ordinary for him. Yeah, pretty super coach, a relevant game this one. Yeah, aside from, um, I mean, for me, I'm a big Caelan Ponga fan. I've had him since round one. One of my other few. Years. No, and everyone's got him now, and he's averaging seventy odds. So it's <laughs> still great to if watch him see him do his twelve tackle breaks and. Just go, yep, that's great. I've got to get my points even if he doesn't score a try. Um, but, yeah, aside from him, there's not much in the Knights side. The um, the Broncos side, though, Perso, has got a few things happening. Um, Corey Oates returning on the wing should help their attack a little bit more. But the big one is uh, TPJ, Tavita Pengai Jr. He's a chance of returning, including in the extended bench. And I am someone who held TPJ. And if he comes back when Sam Burgess is suspended this week, it's going to be an absolute godsend. Oh, I'm in the same boat. 100% you're holding. He's still sitting there for me as well. <laughs> and Bert, I've got Burgess as well, so I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm in the same boat as you, Barnsley. Hopefully he plays. Oh, I think there's a few of us hoping for that. Um, other than that, I mean, the thing in this game to maybe talk about as well that's going to be relevant is um, the form of Anthony Milford. I captained him last week, as, as a few people did, although his ownership... Compared to his captaincy, yeah, was, captain was uh, <laughs> it was the captaincy numbers were really low on him, um, which I was surprised about. Um, it was only a couple percent, um, and he was playing the Titans, so I was really surprised. And I was rubbing my hands together, thinking this is great. Not many guys are captaining Milford when he, you know, scores his ton. He's going to be like a widow captaincy the week before when no one captained him. You know, and it's going to be fantastic. Of course, I went the other direction, and he got stuff all, but. Um, yeah, he's. I said it on last week's pod with Catfish. It's um, it's only a matter of time before Anthony Milford starts firing. Um, I could definitely see him doing it against the Knights this week. Well, you would think so. That's the problem. Though. Every state you look at from last last year, pointing towards you starting on fire. I'm holding him <laughs> on the the bias that he's going to come good soon or later. But geez, he's got he's giving me no confidence. Yeah, I'm I'm holding strong, but um, yeah, I'm going to be watching watching Milf and Ponga. Those are going to be my two big guns in that game. So moving along, we've got the Gold Coast Titans versus the Manly Seagulls on the first Sunday game. This one's interesting. There's a few guys in there that people will be hoping to continue their good form for the Gold Coast Titans. That's remarkably Philip Semi, who's probably going to be played by everybody who owns him in their starting centre wing this week. Um, and against the Sea Eagles, you know the Bit up and down with their defence, it, it might not be a bad go. 
Um, Jai Arrow was another highly purchased guy um, that we spoke about. Other than that, there's probably not a huge amount of super coach players in there. Um, the makeup of the bench is the interesting one. Bryce Cartwright still on the bench. He only played two minutes last week for his three points. I would expect that Cartwright comes on and plays more minutes than that this week. Yeah, the had a HIA last week, didn't he? I think. But yeah, he'll play more than that, but I don't know what his role is. That away, which is, uh, was always his super coach heaven, I suppose. Yeah, the, the price he started at, he was so cheap. You just, I'm holding him. There's no point moving him on. It's not worth a waste of a trade at this point. Yeah. Well, the, I mean, the big changes really are going to be on the Seagulls side. They've got a, a lot of big changes. Um, and as you'd expect on the Titans side, they had a good win. So they're not going to make mass changes. They're going to keep it as it is. But Manly have actually named Dylan Walker to return from his layoff. Um, so he's going to play his first game for 2018. Uh, they're pushing Brad Parker to the wing and Matt Wright to fullback because Tom Trevojevic is out two weeks, which is was a real bittersweet game last week for the Turbo owners. He, um, he, he had that absolute masterclass, managed to put up that huge score of 150-odd points, and then he's also done his ankle at the end of the game and he's out for two weeks. So makes it tough. Um, Curtis Sirinan and Kalipi Tanganoa both did their ACLs, been confirmed they're out for the season. So Frank Winterstein starting in the second row and Jack Gazowski is moving into the 17. So there's quite a few changes for Manly. I'm, um, I was initially waiting to see if Sean Lane was going to start in the back row in Sirenan's spot. But um, it looks like that Frank Winterstein is actually going to be the one to do it. Trent Barrett being the uh, strategic tactician that he is has, has named his ACL guys that have been ruled out for the season, it looks like. So... Uh, apparently, Curtis Sirinan might be a chance to play with his ACL a week after he's done it, Persa. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure what's going on there. Yeah, oh, Frankenstein coming in is a disaster for Supercoach. I think everyone was hoping Sean Wayne to get that spot. It's uh, something to watch, I suppose. Yeah, it's a bit of a struggle. I think Manly's going to struggle a bit too on top of that. What do you reckon about the C Daily Cherry Evans this week? Yeah, I wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> Having said that, he'll probably kill it now, but um, yeah, uh, kicking goals has been the only thing that sort of saved him from uh, having decent scores. He hasn't really been setting the world on fire, basically. No, he's he's, he's been solid, but um, yeah, he hasn't done fantastic. I'm thinking maybe with Turbo out, he might um, he might actually have a good week with his um, hands on the ball to play, make a little bit more. But yeah, so aside from aside from him, they've really got nothing in the playmaking department. So I reckon they're going to struggle too. Lachlan Croker and Matty Wright at a fullback. Um, that's not going to help you much. Upside Coruscant will give him a bit of a hand. Uh, aside from Coruscant and Hooker, it's a hideous spawn, isn't it? That's, <laughs> that's oh, not good at all. It's terrible. Look, to be to be honest, I um, I was talking about some guys uh, a couple of weeks ago about this. When Jackson Hastings came into the side and we were talking about his best positions and stuff, I say he actually played lower grades. He was with the Roosters. He played some fullback, and he had some massive scoring games from fullback, um, and also goal kicking there as well. So, um, yeah, I was, I I think that little of Matthew Wright, and even of Lachlan Croker at the moment that I'd even be playing him out of position instead and having him at fullback, but. Yeah, oh, you'd have Hastings you'd have a fullback over Matt Wright any day of the week. I don't know what's going on there. I think I'd put you at fullback over Matt Wright per se, but you know. 
So let's uh, let's move on and um, talk about the final game of the round. We've got the Parramatta Eels versus the Penrith Panthers. Um, two sides that Penrith are on the way up and the Eels are still on their way down, but I'm kind of excited about this one. The old Western Derby is always a, a good one to have and they always normally fire up a bit. Um, the first... Uh, the Eels will get up this week. You reckon the Eels will get up? Yeah, it's that type of comp. It's uh, by no rights at all. The Panthers should get up. Local derby, everything else. The, the, the Eels are on a pump. It won't surprise me at all if they come out and fire up a win. Yeah, I won't be surprised either. Um, we've got, for the Eels, um, the main thing is, one, that Brad Arthur's actually gone with the same team, which is interesting in itself because they've obviously not won a game yet. Their attack's not clicking and they've still stuck with it. Um, their forwards have been pretty soft and they're still sticking with the same forwards. That means that Kane Evans, for example, and uh, Madagai and Gower are all in the extended bench, which is surprising. I thought they would have put at least one or two of those guys in to give them some punch, but they didn't do it. Kaiser Pritchard is needing to get through the, the concussion protocols after his head knock. He is dead set a walking HIA person. No, I'm <laughs> He can't find a way to get himself knocked out. It's unbelievable. Oh, it's crazy. So, I mean, we'll see how the, whether the Eels want to redeem themselves or not. There's not a lot of super coach relevancy, except for keeping our eye on George Jennings to see what he does um, as a great buy for next week if he has a good game. Mitchell Moses is starting to get low as well. Maybe he clicks. Um, and I'm hoping that Nathan Brown has some big minutes. But um, other than that, there's probably not a lot to like or watch from a super coach perspective. Nah, that's all. So let's talk about a more exciting group, the, the Penrith Panthers. So Griffin stuck with the same 17 that beat the Cowboys, which isn't surprising at all. James Fisher-Harris has gone to lock with Trent Merrin moved to prop. I don't know whether that's going to help Merrin or change anything at all as far as his minutes go. Nah, it won't change a thing. But uh, he plays prop anyway. It's just the rotation. So if anything, it just confirms he's going to be struggling to get 50 minutes. They're just so solid with middle forwards, the Panthers. They don't need to play Merrin for that many minutes. Uh, obviously, Griffin thinks he'll get the best out of Merrin by playing him for lower minutes, which um, should have for server catch, but uh, probably good for the Panthers. Yeah, probably. it's obviously working for them at the moment. A couple of watches on this one. I mean, James Maloney, I may very well get in this week. If I don't, there's no way uh, you could possibly own him because you'll be well over 500k after that, and I don't think you can pay that for him. Um, so it's a big decision on him. Uh, Josh Mansour being rumoured to be going to Parramatta Eels on a number of occasions now, so we all know that players get up against sides that they've been rumoured to be going towards or talking to or considering, so he could be having a big game. And the other interesting one for me is I did have a bit of a look into James Fisher-Harris. Now, I don't think you can do it. The minutes are too, I guess, minutes are too all over the place, like you said, with that, those middle forwards especially, but... At only about 320k and starting at 13, he made a lot of tackles last week with a good score. Oh, I am going to be watching a little bit. Yeah, he's a quality player, Fisher Harris. I, I do rate him as a player, but uh, he was one I looked at when his first game. He came on the third a couple of years ago because he was injured, and he was sort of looking at a reasonable price this year. And when he got nine to um, start, Probably supercatch-wise, not quite there, but uh, definitely a watch. Is there any other ones that you've got your eye on a little bit at the Panthers, mate? No, not really. At the Panthers, um, 
bring Cameron Beal out if he got the minutes would be he'd be super cash. It's the same thing, you know. Marin plays less minutes, Gillard plays the minutes he's playing. Um, uh, it's, um, they all take minutes off each other. I'm going to make the my big call on this one is going to be uh, the Eels are going to get the win. I'm going to agree with you on that one. But Trent Marin's going to have a uh, return to form and a return to form for him. It's not doing too much, but um, he's going to hit 60 points. Uh, so that's my big call for this one. And with that, Perso, that's uh, all the games for the for the round this week and TLT concludes. Uh, hopefully you have a big one this week, mate. Yeah, you can do it, one. <laughs> <laughs> she, she's playing a slow start, not too sure. I was saying to Catfish um, about an hour before I gave you a call when I was chatting to him that um, all the good super coaches are going terrible and all these and all these guys that um, I'm mates with that have never gone well before are all like right up the top at the pointy end. It's just... Uh, <laughs> It's crazy and very, yeah. very uninspiring for a veteran like me, but, you know, that's the way it goes. You're the, un- you're the underdog. It is. I don't think – I've never started a season this bad, so um, so good luck to me too for this week. Thanks for coming on the show again, Perso. <laughs> no worries, buddy. All right, we'll talk to you later. Great, on, mate. And all right, so for everyone that's looking to download, uh, we're on iTunes now as well. You can also follow us on SoundCloud. And also follow us on Twitter for any updates about new shows or anything super coach worthy news that we'll get out there. And you can do that at NRL underscore SC underscore All Stars on Twitter. Thanks very much for listening, guys. We'll chat to you next week. Yeah.